Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. All right, we're back. Welcome back to Spiro Avenue. I don't know what's going on with you guys this week. Uh, I know it's quiet around these parts in Michigan. It's kind of dull. We may have to turn our attention to, I don't know, like Iowa or something. Something has to be happening in Iowa, right? Well, I got to tell you, I'm excited because this is one of the harder weeks in the year for me, no matter how the game is looking for Michigan, Michigan State. I'm never like feeling great about it going in. I don't think I ever will. There's always sort of a nervous energy, even in years where I felt confident, but it is Michigan, Michigan State week. I'm excited, and we're going to get to that in a second. But first, we have to mention. Who's keeping the lights on around here? I always say it's not the guests. The guests never come in with a bag of cash saying, hey, pay pay your electric bill. It's not Ben. All that money goes that way. It's not me either. It's the sponsors. Tonight's presenting sponsor, one of our newer ones, my good friend Michael Fick at Superior Home Lending. This is his second show he's sponsored. He's the man. We love Michael Fick. He is tonight's presenting sponsor. And I got to tell you, this company, it's the ultimate one-man band. If you're buying a house, if you're refinancing, taking cash out of home equity to pay for some type of Michigan State memorabilia that you have to have on the wall, it's all good stuff. Michael Fix your man. He's fully independent. I know we all get inundated with rocket this and, and quicken that. Michael's a one-man band. Check him out. Highly recommend him. Superiorloans.mortgage, 616-299-9275. This guy can shop your mortgage around. He knows everybody in town. Great guy. Michigan State fan, but he'll work with Michigan guys too. Great Detroit sports fan. Awesome guy. A pride of Central Michigan University, like my guest tonight, as a matter of fact. Michael Fick, great guy. Check him out. Call or email to apply. See if you qualify. NMLS number 11. 59792 at org. Okay, so let's get to it. Crazy week. Uh, we all know it. I don't really need to tease it that much. We all know what's going on. It's Michigan, Michigan State week. And, I, I, you know, I told you I'm nervous a little bit. Uh, I always am, though. Don't take my nerves as any bearing on the game. Michigan could announce that their entire team has COVID and they're on their third string, and I would still be panicked before the game. So it's just just how I am. So don't read into that, but I feel relatively good. But tonight's guest is a Michigan guy. This is his background. This is his beat. And of course, naturally, Michigan State is going to be weaved well into this conversation. But the Michigan State heavy show will be coming later in the week in a couple of days. Sit tight for that. So they'll be on the table for sure. But we're going Michigan heavy. So I wanted to start with this. I think Miss Michigan right now, and specifically Jim Harbaugh, is at a crossroads with this game. I think this is a crossroads moment for this program and for this coach who is leading this program. And you look at last year, we talked about it before. They were on the mat. They were 2-4. and four. Honestly, probably should have been worse. Whether you, you think they were ducking Ohio State or not, the fact is they probably would have lost. They didn't play them. They were on the mat. Uh, rumors that Harbaugh might be gone, uh, swirling uh, rumors of buyouts, rumors of NFL, rumors uh, of the guy's going to go on a beach in Panama, uh, rumors that were all not good. 
And in the end, he takes a massive pay cut, which is, I would argue, to my knowledge, unprecedented to the extent that it occurred uh, at an institution like Michigan and is back. And this was not a program and a fan base that seemed too high on anything going on this year. But now it's safe to say they're off the mat. Whether you think they're thriving, ready to, to raise the championship belt like the Ultimate Warrior over Hulk Hogan, that remains to be seen. But they're 7-0. and They're not, ba- they're not a bad team. This is not last year. So they're off the mat. But we've kind of seen this before. We've seen this in years that ended up being disappointing for U of M, in particular for Jim Harbaugh teams at U of M. And I don't know, honestly, whether this team is any different. I am getting sort of a 2016 vibe. I think the 2016 team, I think, was better. But in terms of how the season may go, that's sort of the vibe I'm getting. So let's throw it up there just for a quick comparison to kind of see what I'm talking about. So the 2016 Michigan team, if you're watching on TV here, the green means a win, the red means a loss. Yeah, I know, highly intuitive. So the 2016 team starts off 9-0. and Everyone's hot. They're on fire. Harbaugh in year two is, is rolling. They end up losing to Iowa, Ohio State, and then the bowl game against Florida State. So started 9-0, and finished 10-3, and losing three of their last four games. So you go from potentially being in the college football playoff, winning the Big Ten, obviously a heartbreaking loss to Ohio State, to... 10 and 3. I mean, that's for Harbaugh for Michigan, that's kind of the bare minimum you would hope, right? Obviously, we all know what's going on this year. They've started 7 and 0 and we don't know how they're going to finish. I see with Michigan State, Indiana, Penn State, Maryland and Ohio State ahead, I see two or three losses. I don't see a a one loss or undefeated Michigan team. But I'm a Michigan cynic. I, I just you have to admit the bias up front. So I don't know, but I'm getting a 2016 vibe from this team. So I mean, we're going to see in due time. I think the first big test is this upcoming Saturday against Michigan State. I think there are two good teams with some gaping flaws between the two of them. We're going to talk about some of that tonight, but I want to get in somebody that knows a lot more than I do about this stuff. Certainly on the Michigan side, a newly minted hire from the Wolverine. Honestly, I've said it, Anthony, the most objective Michigan fan and writer I know. I, I say this uh, to anyone that'll listen. I think you're the top guy. It's your second appearance in studio, almost a year apart. We've got to try to get you in more often. It's Anthony Broom from the Wolverine, Wolverine Mag. It's great to have you back, Anthony. Welcome. Good to be back. And in my circles, I mean, me stepping into this studio during this week is like, akin to stepping into Sodom and Gomorrah. So, um, (laughs) so I'm, I'm, no, I'm glad to be back. Uh, God, there's so we'll go as long as we need to. There's a lot to get to with how I feel about this current team. How I feel about your team, this matchup on Saturday. Uh, Thank you. That's also very kind of you to say uh, best in, I don't consider, I just, I just do, I just do what I, I write what I see. I talk about what I see. So. Well, you're doing a good job, and I, I'm hoping that you can make some sense of all this for me because I really don't know where to go on the Michigan side. I know where Michigan State's flaws are. I, I feel very good about where we're good, and I feel confident that I know where we're weak. I, I mean, I, I feel like I have a good grasp on Michigan State. I don't know what the hell Michigan's doing in some regards, and we're going to get to that specifically in a minute, but just generally as they go into this Saturday and their last month and some change uh, across the board. Is it fair, my characterization? Doesn't it seem like a crossroads where they're, I'm not saying they have to go undefeated, but if they lose three, 
God forbid, four games at the end of the that, that's pushing it. But if they lose three or four games down the stretch, or even two, and it's Ohio State and Michigan State, doesn't it kind of feel like we're spinning our wheels still? I, I, I feel like it's a critical moment where Harbaugh can go one way or the other. It's a fork in the road. <laughs> yeah, more or less, that's how I feel about it. It's I don't think they're going to lose four. Like I, I could see this bottoming out at maybe you know losing all three of those games, the, the big games left, which is obviously not good. Um, you know, they'll beat Indiana. They'll beat Maryland. I think I'm, pre- I'm pretty, I don't think that's really a hot take. I really do. Like there, there are scenarios in play and this is a nightmare scenario for me. I think a nightmare scenario for Michigan fans, for anyone who's trying to get any type of read on where this thing is going. This Jim Harbaugh 2.0, that's what you want to call it. They could go 10 and two which I mean, coming off of last year, I thought this team was an eight and four coming into this year. So you look at it, you go, okay, this team could win maybe 10 games this year. If they go 10 and two, but lose to Michigan state to Ohio state, it's how do, what does that conversation start to look like? Because I think you can sell their, I mean, still coming back from last year, winning 10 games, but again, you're spinning your wheels here. Uh, like, I think that's what, uh, how you characterized it. Um, you know, I look at this Michigan State game on Saturday, and there are really, to me, two kind of turning point games for what this Jim Harbaugh era has been so far. Both 2016 Ohio State, you win that game. Who knows what kind of hole that rips in the, the universe in terms of recruiting, and obviously they're in, in, they're in Indianapolis in Jim Harbaugh's second year. Didn't happen. 2018, you go to Ohio State against probably one of the lesser Ohio State teams we've seen in the last five, six, seven years, whatever it is. Lose that game as favorites. Never even get off the bus. Give up 63 points. To me, this Saturday's game against Michigan State has every bit the same type of stakes on the line in terms of the short-term ramifications and the long-term ramifications of what, where this Jim Harbaugh thing is going. Because you can't go 0-2 against Mel Tucker. Uh, you know, say what you, This is why, like, I guess we start with this. Michigan has a lot more to lose on Saturday because if Michigan loses Saturday, it's Jim Harbaugh's three and four against Michigan state. And really half of those Michigan state teams probably nowhere near as good, or at least not as good as Michigan is. And I'm even already having trouble coming up. You'd be three and four and you were a favorite in all seven. I mean, that that has to be mentioned. Michigan state wasn't favored in any of them. Right. Including this Saturday. So, you can't face going 0-2 against Mel. Like, Mel, Michigan, Mel Tucker, and I, I won't speak for you. I won't put words in your mouth here. But if Michigan State goes out and loses this game on Saturday, you can go, you know what? We're probably ahead of schedule where we thought we were going to be under Mel. We beat Michigan last year when, quite frankly, they probably didn't have any business beating Michigan last year. You can probably, you, your fan base can wrap your head around that a little more and go, you know what? We're still way ahead of schedule. We still have meaningful November football we can play. Because Michigan could still lose two of those games in November with Penn State, Ohio State coming up. Michigan loses that game. You're losing. We're talking in-state recruiting battles. You're talking 0-2 against Mel Tucker. I just, you're judged by your rivalry games. And if, if Jim Harbaugh comes out of this, what would the record be? Three and, three and nine against Michigan State and Ohio State? That's, that's a tough sell. It really, really is. I, I totally agree on that for Jim Harbaugh, it's a much more disastrous loss than for Mel Tucker and for Michigan State. Obviously, every member of Spartan Nation wants to win the game. It's, it's, we bleed this stuff just like you guys do on the other side. But 
if Michigan State's seven and one, we've already cleared the Vegas over under by you know, basically three, and we're going to win presumably at least one or two more games. It's like if Michigan State goes nine and three, even. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're two or you're one and a half, whatever you want to call it. No one's upset, but if Jim Harbaugh loses this game, even obviously we don't know what'll happen down the stretch, but sitting, it'll be the ugliest seven and one ever. I mean, it, 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 right? Your margin of error for what can happen the rest of the season is completely gone because then it becomes, oh, better beat Ohio State to have any goodwill because I, I really do feel this way. If they lose to Michigan State on Saturday, all of this talk about all the goodwill they've built up with this new staff, the, the recruiting changes behind the scenes. I mean, honestly, uh, this is not just another game for them. This is the biggest, probably the biggest Michigan State game. I mean, like this is the the highest ranked either of these teams have been in this series since 1964. So there's already that on the line. But, you know, if they, they have to find a way to win this. Michigan has to win this game on Saturday. Michigan State, like you want to win it. That's your, you know, what's the old bit? That's their Super Bowl, right? Um, Michigan State, that's going to be the game that makes them, you know, I won't say pass fail on the season, but. You know, we know, we know how everyone feels about that rivalry in East Lansing. If Michigan loses this game Saturday, it's going to be, you're, they're still going to be in it in November, but man, oh man, it's going to be, because now I feel like if you lose to Michigan State, then we're going into the stretch on some sort of like sort of quasi death march as we get closer to Ohio State. If they beat Michigan State, then you can go, you know what? We got there. We beat Michigan State. We have a rivalry win. We got to 8-0. It's November. We're still in the thick of this race when, honestly, coming into the year, you talk about Vegas over-under, I think Michigan's was at 7.5. Yep, 7.5. So I think Michigan State, I think, is already playing with house money. Michigan has to get this one on Saturday. The margin for error comment that you made, I think, is spot on because if you lose Saturday but run the table the rest of the way and you go to Indianapolis and you win there. You could theoretically be in the playoff. Absolutely. At that point, mm-hmm. no one's going to give a fuck about the Michigan. I mean, you want Paul Bunyan in your trophy case, like you'd rather win, but no one's going to care really. I mean, you did what you had to do, but you said it best. If, if the loss column gets a, a little tick on Saturday for Michigan, you better run the table because I, I don't. I mean, even if even if you beat Ohio State, but somehow lose to Indiana, it's, and you don't end up in Indianapolis, like I mean, you said your fan base likes to say, "Oh, it's our Super Bowl." I would say our Super Bowl has occurred at Lucas Oil Stadium three times. Fair enough. I, I know, I know, I know. It's a foreign concept, but hey, I, I've been there. T- I've been there twice in the last couple of months. Okay? Oh, really? What team were you covering? Was it Michigan uh, football? Yeah, it was Michigan basketball. I, I heard some Michigan football players <laughs> bought a ticket to see our game. Uh, I can't remember which of the three years it was, but it was one. Maybe, maybe it was all. Three. I don't know. But the bottom line is you guys are in a situation now where you lose Saturday, you better run the table. If if you win, like you said, you have some outs, it's hard to go undefeated. I don't I think it's unreasonable. Even if they run the table and lose to Ohio State, I get it. It sucks to lose another game to Ohio State, but no one's gonna run Harbaugh out. But you can't lose two or more. That's the thing, too, is that it's a lot is made in Ann Arbor about oh, the Ohio State problem, the Ohio State problem. Everyone in the Big Ten has an Ohio State problem right now. Everyone in college football has an Ohio State, an Alabama, and Oklahoma problem right now. Like that's just how far ahead those programs are, and you kind of have to deal with it and hope hope someone slides off eventually. But I would even argue that I think Michigan could win Saturday and still lose lose to Penn State, Ohio State, and you could still walk out of this season going, you know what? We got we got the revenge for last year. Got to ten wins. Going to a bowl game with a chance for an eleventh. 
you can, to me, I think you can sell that more as hope than, you know, obviously if you don't win Saturday, hot take, like win your rivalry games. They can't, they can't go 0-2. They, they can't. They so 10-2, and two, you lose to Ohio State and your biggest rival, Michigan State. It's like you're done with Harbaugh in, in your mind. It's not going to get any easier. I'll put it that way. Because next, like, so then it all becomes to, and this is what Michigan fans hate, is when you talk, well, then you look to next year's team. Next year, I mean, like I said, you will go into next year with Mel Tucker sitting at 2-0 against your team. Now, mind you, the game will be in Ann Arbor. Who knows what kind of recruiting momentum and transfer portal, and they've done a great job in, in adding talent there, but you have to deal with that monster and Ohio State on the And whoever else, you know, through the Big Ten, we've seen a little... A little bit of parody the last couple of years. Now the last, you know, this year is a little more akin to 2015 and 2016. What would those types of years look like? But like I said, I think this one Saturday, I think it's the biggest, I mean, it's a top 10 game on the road for Michigan, which they haven't won since, you know, the Tigers were in the, the world series in 2006, whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, so, doom and gloom aside, there's a lot to like about Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, in, the sky it, isn't falling here. Right. I mean, because I, mean, I feel like it's been a very negative 15 minutes to open. You're 7-0 seven, you're seven in Ann Arbor. It's a very good team. Yeah. I think it's legitimately one of the 10 to 12 best teams in the country, whether you think 6 or 9 or 10 or whatever. Like, they're up there. They're legitimately up there, in my opinion. They deserve to be in that conversation. So I don't want to paint the picture too negatively out of the gate because I think we both acknowledge it's a good team. And the big thing for them. Well, Justin, is, it's just the elephant in the room. Well, you have to discuss it, which is yeah. why we spent 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> That's how we started there. But right. just I want to reel back in a little bit. But there is something to, and I'm going to take a quick pivot. To me, it's negative town, but a lot of people in your fan base don't think it's a negative. They see it as no problem at all. And I want to transition to this. So to me, the most intriguing thing is the quarterback situation. I, I, to me, it's like it's not even close. I have disagreed from, I'm not claiming to be objective, but in my effort to step back objectively and say, just as an analyst, or if I were a Michigan fan, what I would want to see my program do, I don't know what they're doing with J.J. McCarthy. We're going to get to that big picture in a second, but you're good friends with a man that we both know, Chris Castellani. I thought he had an interesting take. He does his post game, mostly for the Tigers, but for Michigan football games as well. And this is his sort of cut up take on where Michigan's at going forward into this weekend with their quarterback situation. So we'll run that and and move on from there. I have been probably a curmudgeon throughout a majority of this season, and I don't take back any of it because I've watched this team and I have desperately tried to find the moment in which I, I watch them and say, okay, you know what? This team's different. This is the one that's going to break the mold. This is the one that's going to get them out of a slump. This is a team that's going to beat their rivals, beat Ohio State, go to the playoff. Um, I don't see that. They don't have a quarterback. And and now the way this thing gets turned around is if by some miracle, Cade McNamara has a, a Connor Cook for Michigan State in 2013 kind of arc where he gets to late in the season and just plays really, really well against uh, elite caliber opponents. Um, that's wishful thinking, if you ask me, because they're not going to run for 300 yards against their best opponents. They're just not. But at some point, if they want to reach their goals, Cade McNamara is going to have to win them a football game. And right now, subject to change, he doesn't look like a guy who's capable of doing it. I hope he proves me wrong. Oh, that's your buddy, Chris, of Barstool Sports. I'm dancing with him. He and I are in lockstep there. I agree with everything he said. I'm not going to repeat it. 
everything he said, I agree with. Before we get to it, I'm going to throw your quote up there. So this is you sort of not addressing Chris directly, but addressing people like Chris and I. That Chris sort of and had, I have talked. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you have. That's your good buddy. So we got to lose the logo at the top there. Thanks, Ben. So this is this is you yesterday in your article for Wolverine Mag. Quote, the time for auditions is over. If there is a master plan to unleash J.J. McCarthy this season, it does not feel like it will happen before November. He and Kay and McNamara have coexisted in their current dichotomy, which will continue as long as Michigan wins games. A self-destructive performance could change that. That's you yesterday. So you got the people like Chris and I, and they're out there in your fan base that are saying, what are you doing? McNamara is not going to win you the games when you're really challenged and you're facing the meteor schedule. You're saying basically, look, get over it. It's definitely not happening Saturday. Maybe it happens later on. I would argue Chris is right. I don't know what you're doing in Ann Arbor. As a Michigan State fan, I'm thrilled with what you're doing. And this, it's sort of the Bill Simmons thing, never do what your opponent wants you to do. You know, go for it on fourth and one or whatever it may be. You guys are doing exactly what I want you to do because I think we can handle Kay McNamara. McCarthy, as raw as he may be, scares the shit out of me. I, I think he could beat us over the top. Where do you stand on this? Why do you think they've gone the way they've gone? Well, it's the the other elephant in the room is Jim Harbaugh got his salary cut in half. He's making $4 million a year. They have to win football games this year. And, and this is where, like, his mentality was always going to be, we're going to go with, um, you know, not the guy that got us here, but when he came in last season, came in in a game against Rutgers, ran the offense, scored points. Didn't, you know, didn't reinvent the wheel, but scored points, got him a win. Through seven games this season, He's still done that. Now, here's the thing, and this is the most, this is where I kind of deviate from what the plan this offseason has been, is that I think that, generally speaking, Jim Harbaugh and his coaching staff and the people in Ann Arbor, when you look at all the changes they've made in recruiting, the coaching staff, I think this is a, a staff that has looked inward and, and fixed a lot of the things that's ailed them. Not only just last season, but you know, last year was the culmination of what I think were just a kind of a lot of different paper cuts along the way. The where I start to deviate from that is I think and this I can't speak for the fan base and some of them are probably glad I'm not doing that, but I would be willing to I would have been willing as a fan. If I'm objectively stepping back and, and looking at the big picture, because, listen, I mean, unless Michigan went four and eight or five and seven, Jim Harbaugh was not is not going to get fired after this year. It was never going to happen. I think they had too much talent on both sides of the ball. I think when you look at Jim Harbaugh coming back, to me, that always read as this is a two, this is a two year thing. This is a two year you're building up to by the end of 2022 to be back and doing the things that he was hired to come to Michigan to do. Cade McNamara is a placeholder quarterback, period. That's what he is. Now, what he's done really well is he's been he's been a good leader. You know, all the all the cliches. First guy in the room, last guy out. Um, you know, guys rally around him. He runs the offense. He's poised. J.J. McCarthy is the future of this program. He's a, it's a miracle. And thank God he grew up a Michigan fan or stayed a Michigan fan throughout his recruitment because they were never really in danger of losing him after things went south last year. The fact you got that guy on campus and he was an early enrollee, to me, that starts the clock with, with we need to develop this guy and get him on the field as soon as he's ready to play. Now, to their credit, 
this hasn't been a situation. I think a lot of people are reading this as a situation where he's come in and, or he, you know, got his garbage time against Western, got his garbage time against Northern Illinois, and we haven't seen him at all. He played the first snap of the second half at Washington. He played, I think, maybe the sixth snap of the game at Nebraska, and we saw him sprinkled in uh, last week. And, you know, it's not just, well, they're coming and just doing the QB run stuff with him. Haven't really let him throw. Now, this is the one thing I'll say. You, you've seen, you saw it as soon as the, the Western Michigan game. You've seen it in, I think, in garbage time in the Wisconsin game. The arm talent is incredible. Something that Michigan hasn't had under Harbaugh. Um, and this is where, like, this isn't, I'm telling you what I think they see. Is that when you go back and you look at the film on some of those plays. And even, you know, there was a fourth down play on Saturday. which In that same column that you referenced, I talked about. Where there's a fourth and three. He uh, takes a snap, scrambling, scrambling, rolls out to his right, doesn't see anything, runs around the field, and then completes it to his tight end for the first down. Right off the snap on that play, his two reads, right, the, his first two reads in the middle of the field are open. Or at least it was his second read over the middle of the field. He didn't see it. A lot of what, and this, again, this is, I think, what the coaching staff sees. A lot of his wild plays, and I think that this has happened in practice too, you're going to get those wild plays in practice because he is so talented and this isn't me making the direct comparison, but I do think that there is a, there's a part of it to where, you know, Joe Milton two years ago against Rutgers had one of the best touchdown passes a Michigan quarterback has ever had in garbage time. And people are like, here he comes, here comes Joe, the next Cam Newton time to get him on the field. And JJ McCarthy is going to be better than that. Like at some point he's going to be too good to keep off the field. He already is because they're working him in. I think that when you look at this, I look at this as part of a two-year plan. I think they've missed an opportunity to get him. If not, if Cade was still going to start, even when they get him into these games, let him throw a little bit. Because you don't, and I know coming in and, you know, handing off the football and making the reads in the QB run game, I get that you're still reading defenses and getting live reps there. But what Cade McNamara does is, like I said, it's not spectacular. I think he's a powerful... There's this narrative among the Michigan fan base that he's John O'Corn, that he's Joe Milton, that he's Russell Bellamy. He's not that. I think he's, he's a competent power five star. He's probably what Jake Rudock was before his little four-game stretch at the end of 2015. He's probably, at best, what Wilton Spate was in 2016. The talent, like J.J. McCarthy's talent, and I do think that, I think he's the most college-ready passer that Jim Harbaugh's recruited. I think he's probably the most college-ready quarterback they've recruited since Chad Henney, I don't know. I feel like they have missed an opportunity to get him live bullets because I think with it, it's too late now because you're not going to start him. He hasn't thrown the ball enough. I think he only has maybe 19 pass attempts on the season. Hasn't thrown the ball enough. Um, he's only been used in the QB run game or to hand off the football, which when he comes into the game, that's a tell for the defense. And maybe they're setting something up for later in the year or Saturday. Who the hell knows? We Weird things can happen in rivalry games. but. I don't trust that this staff has some grand master plan that they're ready to, to deviate from. Uh, Cade McNamara raises the floor of this Michigan offense. Um, me personally, I think I would have sacrificed, you know, maybe you lose the Nebraska game and, and one of those other games earlier in the year with JJ McCarthy, but it's just, it's equity built in because I do think that JJ McCarthy will be the opening day starter next year. It's just, I, I feel like they've thrown away the chance I can't say thrown away. They're 7-0. And what Cade McNamara has given them has been good enough. But is it going to be good enough 
to win in November. I don't know. I don't even know if it's going to be good enough to win Saturday. But like I said, they've made their bed. They will lie in it. I think that McCarthy will still kind of get those snaps here and there. But this isn't a uh, this isn't a Trevor Lawrence situation. They're they're not setting up for that. Like Caden McNamara is going to be their guy until uh, on there it said a self destructive performance, but I added in there you know an injury as well, which you know you don't want to see guys get injured. But I just think that's what it's going to take for them to get him on the field in more than a sort of niche role. I think it's a mistake. And look, I think, look, this will all be litigated. We're going to find out. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. And it, this may never even happen. Maybe Michigan's defense is so good they control the clock for the next five games and they're fine. It's possible. But if Michigan gets down 10 or more points at any point in their schedule going forward, not just Saturday, mm-hmm. they're dead to me. I, I, I think they're dead. I th- or they're in deep shit. I don't feel good about it if I'm a Michigan fan. You're good at playing from ahead. It's what they said about the Ravens the first couple of years of Lamar Jackson, which was fair at the time. Now he's had like seven comebacks in the last year. So it's he's sort of busted that. But at the time for three or four years there with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, like if they get ahead, they'll just kind of lean on you and win. But if they got down 10 points, they were dead. They were He was like 0-12 or something when they fell behind double digits. So, I mean, no one has a great record, but you can't go 0-12 either. Right. I think Michigan's in deep shit if that happens. It might not happen, but chances are with Ohio State, somebody's going to get up 13 to 3 at some point. You're mm-hmm. playing enough good teams. So, I don't know. Like my fear for 6 weeks was they were going to do what you're talking about. Bring McCarthy along. Give him a couple series in a row in those games like Northwestern. Why wasn't he out there for an entire series in the second half? It's malfeasance. You're not going to lose the game anyway. I don't care if he throws a pick six. It was over. Like, what are you doing? And I I was worried that they were going to make the switch on October 30th, that they were going to build to it, build to it, build to it, and they're going to announce McCarthy as the, as the starter right before kickoff. You said it. I don't think they can do that now. That's totally – I mean, certainly not – the first series, but I don't think they can let him throw 15 passes. It'll be almost equating what he's done all year. I just, McNamara is so easily managed for a, a good defense. Like he's, he's not going to turn it over, but he's not going to be our secondary's weak. McCarthy scares the bejesus out of me as a Spartan fan with a shaky secondary. McNamara doesn't scare me. You, you might pound us. We have a good run defense. <laughs> you might win 13 to 10. I'm not right. saying you can't win, but if Michigan State scores first and you're punting back to us and we're up 7 nothing seven minutes into the first quarter, I'm going to be going to my buddy next to me and saying, if State scores here, they're fucking dead. <laughs> I, I, it, it, it shouldn't be. But with McCarthy, even if it's 14 nothing, I'm like, this guy's got the best arm that we've seen in the state in 10 years at least between the two programs. Yeah. We have a shit secondary, relatively speaking, to the rest of the defense. Like, I wouldn't feel so good. So I just, you said it. You lowered your ceiling. You raised the floor, but you lowered the ceiling. And what do you want to be? Is Michigan happy winning nine games? McCarthy's good enough. That's your 11 or 12 in quarterback on talent. He may fuck it up because he's a kid. He's so raw. But that's why you build him up. I think they've blown it. I think they've completely blown it. They have a chance to prove me wrong. But you seem to agree that they blew it. Maybe they'll get away with it. But they blew it by not bringing him along. They could have done so harmlessly. Well, I'll say this too. Like, if they can get away with it, and this isn't a defense of them, but let's just say they win. They get state into an ugly game on Saturday. They win, yeah. you know, 22, 17 or whatever it is. I don't expect that to happen. I made that prediction on a different show earlier. I don't feel good about it. It doesn't was, sound uh, crazy. <laughs> it sounds like it's in the um, ballpark. 
if they can get to eight and zero doing what they've done, and you set yourself up, like I said, for those ten wins, if you can say, you know what, we sucked last year, and we hit the reset button, we made Cade McNamara our quarterback, we burned McCarthy's red shirt, which you know, again, that's if you're not going to play him, was it worth doing that? But again, if that guy will be here probably three years anyways, you can get if you can get to ten wins with Cade McNamara, and you didn't really use your I guess what they would consider their break in case of emergency quarterback. That's, that's what they're hoping for. I think that's probably gravy for them. Um, but I think they're, and that's not to say like, for me, you look at if, if, if you're someone from my perspective, who looked at this as a kind of a two-year plan, I picked, I picked them to go eight and four, but like maybe eight and four, nine and three was where they, and they might still like, they could totally crap the bed the rest of the year. And that's where they end up. I don't think that will happen. They're going to, they'll win two of those last five, but uh, we'll see what happens from there. I would start like for me, I think I would have been, and I think Michigan fans could have gotten behind, you know, maybe you lose a game like Nebraska or, you know, Washington. I mean, Cade McNamara was awful in that game and it didn't matter anyways, but I could, I could stomach losing a game or two if that guy was getting the reps he needed for, because it's not just JJ McCarthy. I mean, Michigan's probably only going to send three or four guys to the NFL this year. A lot of these players that are doing contributing for them, they're coming back next year. And that's where you go. Most of the team's coming back. We have this five-star kid uh, at quarterback. You go into next year, and, and like I said, people are so sick of the wait till next year stuff. I'm sick of writing about it. But when you look at it from the perspective of our ball's back, they're not going to bottom out. They'll be competent this year, and we'll see what happens next year. You know, the... Losing the equity you could have built with a McCarthy, I mean, that's unless he'll have, I assume he'll have an all whole off season to go take the job and develop and let the game slow down because he does, he has still looked like a freshman at times. You know, like I said, this isn't a guy who, uh, you know, this isn't Caleb Williams or Trevor Lawrence or some of these other freshman guys over the last couple of years that came out big. I mean, I think he was still, I say only, but maybe the 25th ranked player in the country. So it's not like, there's not a generation, like for Michigan, it might be a generational quarterback, but it's not, you know, like I said, Trevor Lawrence isn't on that bench right now. I just feel like the way that a nine and three or 10 and two season would be like, cause I don't, like I said, I don't think Michigan really would have been in that different a spot had they gone that way because they've been running the ball when they want to 45 to 50 times a game. JJ can do this. Uh, Cade can do this. You could probably do this in some of those games. So, and I think like, that's the thing too, is like, I think there's this, like I said earlier, a narrative that Cade McNamara has been terrible. He's, he's been fine, but fine gets you nine wins, which at a school like Michigan, um, you know, school like Michigan, Penn state, whatever it is, some of those upper tier, um, programs in the big 10 that aren't Ohio state, that's probably good enough and might win you the big 10 West for any of those teams, but just, it feels like they have. They have something there, and I can't say they've completely mismanaged it, mismanaged it, because he has come into games and they found some sort of role for him. But it just feels like again, we're we're eight weeks in the season, like nothing's. They are where they are, so it's. Well, I mean, Kate's fine, by the way. I, I, the Kate sucks thing. They just he's done what they've asked him to do, but they haven't asked him to do very much. He hasn't needed yeah. to do very much, but that's the whole point. The meat is in the back half of the schedule. You have to use discernment. Anybody, my my five year old daughter can look at standings and say, "Oh, seven and zero, oh, it's it's yeah. working out." Like that, that's fine. 
but it takes a little bit more of an adult to use discernment and and mm. eyeball tests and try to work in what's best big picture. I, I think they've mismanaged it. I don't. I, I was fine with Cade McNamara through seven games having the majority of the snaps. The, I mean, but I wanted to see if I'm a Michigan fan, if I'm an objective person or a Michigan fan. I want to see. You look around. You clearly are. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> I want to see like ninety ten in favor of McNamara the first two weeks, like eighty twenty and three and four, like seventy and thirty and five and six, and then like kind of okay, and then goes back this way. Yeah. Like that's that's what I would want. I mean, Michigan State in twenty thirteen with Connor Cook and Andrew Maxwell, they they didn't know who was going to play. They didn't he was in there. I mean, they didn't know who was going to be the quarterback. And at the time, it seems preposterous, but the narrative, rightfully so, in the moment was, and it was earlier in the year, granted, was Connor Cook can do a lot more. He's a better raw talent, but he's a little flippant. He's a little careless. Maxwell's safe. He's going to manage the game. <laughs> Similar kind of comparison. And Michigan State went with the better talent. And I mean, that was... Yeah. Obviously, a slam dunk, it doesn't mean that it translates. But everyone talks about the example you mentioned with Clemson. I mean, obviously, nothing in this world is complete apples to apples. But I understand going with the Kelly Bryant to Trevor Lawrence comparison and how well it worked out with Clemson. But I think people are forgetting we've seen this very similar situation, not just with Clemson, with but Jim, with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I haven't, maybe you've talked about it. I haven't heard anybody talk about this. So we, we pulled this. I mean, this is, people are like, nobody's talking about this. I, I, we, we, can't, we captioned this, pull the trigger, Jim, because I'm like putting my Michigan hat on here. <laughs> like, like, do it. So Jim Harbaugh famously with the 2012 San Francisco 49ers had Alex Smith at the helm. He was 19-5-1 as the 49ers starter under Harbaugh going into the prior year and into that year. And had a 104.1 pass rating, third in the NFL. So it wasn't like uh, the defense was just carrying this terrible quarterback. He was winning and performing. He was out for one week with a concussion, and that was used as a transition to Kaepernick. He came back. Colin Kaepernick was uh, remained the starter after that one week that Smith was out. Ends up going 7-2. and two. They lose the Super Bowl to the Ravens. John Harbaugh, 34-31, Super Bowl 47 Blowout early. The San Francisco 49ers were like a coin flip on the winning probability in the fourth quarter to win that game. They came back. So, I mean, that worked. That worked. And at the time, Alex Smith was winning. He was putting up good numbers. And San Francisco went to a raw, superior talent, can do more things option, which a lot of people at the time were like, what are they doing? Like, how do you do that to Alex Smith? They were vindicated. That worked. They were a hair away from winning a title. Alex Smith never does that, in my opinion. It happened again to Alex Smith with a much better example of Patrick Mahomes, where it's like he's winning, but they drafted his replacement. So Jim Harbaugh has done this, has eschewed the safe, doesn't turn it over, veteran, relatively speaking, winning games. He's eschewed that for the big, raw, outstanding talent that's unproven. So that's that to me, it's like, doesn't he know better? That's where I get lost. He should know better. And it's tough. It's going to, I know what I'm about to say is, is probably going to you know, launch a thousand angry tweets at me. But I <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> Everything I say has that effect. I, I give, choose my words carefully here. Jim Harbaugh has never given a shit about red shirts. He's always been a guy that freshman, if you can be, I don't care if you're a five-star recruit, three-star recruit, two-star recruit, if you can be the, the best gunner on our team, on special teams, I'm going to play you. So I think they're, 
to a certain extent. I don't think this is some master scheme by Harbaugh to not, ooh, uh, JJ's the scarier pick. I got to keep him under wraps and win as many games with Cade as I can. I think right now, Cade McNamara is in their eyes. And, and, you know, I can't say based on what I've seen. I don't think I've seen enough of him. I think that they just feel he's the guy that is more ready to run the offense, do what they ask him to do. And that's the other thing, too, is that I think that people think if they bring, you know, flip the switch and bring J.J. McCarthy in, all of a sudden it's going to be, yeehaw, kid, this is the Big 12 offense. Now we're going four wide. We're going to score 50 points a game. J.J. is going to throw 60 times a game. I think the offense probably gets even more conservative, which is what brings me to what I think is probably my bigger concern, regardless of who's at quarterback, is that, so Saturday, for example, I think Cade goes 20 for 27. 137 yards. I don't know, whatever your production guy back there can help me out here. Um, his name is Ben. I don't want to just, dis- dis- you, you're talking about him. the Northwestern game, the Northwestern. Yeah. Game. Okay. Okay. Um, 4.8 yards per attempt. That's pedestrian, no matter which way you slice it. But I look at that and Cade, he missed a couple, couple deep. Sh- like he missed, I think one deep shot. The other one, Northwestern rolls a safety over Brandon Joseph. That's an NFL guy. Help them take the deep ball a little bit. Uh, to help them take the deep ball away a little bit. I get it. You're not going to hit on all those other teams trying to win too. 4.8 yards per attempt. To me, when you complete 20 of 27 passes, that is symbolic of the type of game that's being called by the offensive coordinator. And I don't know. I'll put it to you this way. If they don't trust the third year guy to go down the field with the football, which they have, they've hit on some deep shots this year. And I, I'll pull that stat out in a second. They have, they do have more explosive plays, especially as it relates to the Michigan state debate than I think people realize, but <laughs> Josh Gaddis just calls such a conservative passing game. He really does. And I think there are two things. One, I think when he gets into a rhythm, I think, I do think he is, a, he's a rhythm offensive coordinator. When he gets into a rhythm as a coordinator, like the game at Nebraska, like the game at uh, Wisconsin. They dial some things up. They put drives together. They've still, they've still scored a lot of points this year. And that's, again, if you want to call it fool's gold, whatever, it's fine. He's all, Josh Gaddis is also in charge of developing Michigan's wide receiver. He comes to Michigan as a guy, oh, this guy's coming from Alabama. He helped develop Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith. And, you know, it's a conveyor belt down there. You, you know how that goes. I watched him in 2019. And I'll call it mismanagement. They mismanaged a wide receiver room that included Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, Tariq Black. Ronnie Bell was their most productive wide receiver of those guys. And he was a two-star recruit that was going to play basketball like right before Michigan offered him. They lose Ronnie Bell to start this year. And that's tough. I get it. Like you lose your senior guy, someone I know that I talked to uh, people in the NFL, uh, people down at the Senior Bowl. That's a guy they were looking at. You know, tears his ACL. That sucks. That's a big loss for them. I don't think Michigan felt great about their wide receivers coming into this year because they dipped into the transfer portal in June or July to go get, you know, this Dalen Baldwin who he popped off under Deion Sanders uh, at Jacksonville state. um, I'm sorry, Jackson state uh, in the spring. And I think that like, you know, you look at his film and he's good, but that's a guy who you're adding this upperclassman depth to a room that I think is still pretty raw. Um, you know, but I look at this like Cornelius Johnson, third year guy. I think he's okay. Uh, Roman Wilson, sophomore, former four-star guy, AJ Henning, former four-star guy. 
Um, I'm, I'm I'm missing some other guys in there. They they still are like maybe five or six deep there, but you know they like how those guys block. But I don't see them creating a whole lot of separation down the field, and they're not. You know, outside of some of these jet sweep things, they're not really doing a ton to get those guys involved. Now, something that's a positive for them is I think they've kind of thrown it back to those 2015, 2016, 2017 Jim Harbaugh teams, which they're using the tight end a little bit more over the last couple of weeks. And a guy like an Eric All, I think over the middle of the field might be someone who could be a big factor in a game like Saturday. But I just look at, I think when you look at the passing game and how pedestrian it's kind of been, because, you know, I haven't looked at the stats lately. I think the last time I looked, they were maybe 89th in pass offense or maybe lower than that. You offset that when your run game is as good as it is. But I, I do think a lot of the things that people rag on Cade McNamara about, and this isn't a complete defense of him, I do think that is symbolic of the type of game plans that have been called for him. All fair. I mean, in terms of, to put a bow on the quarterback situation, and I understand the perspective of 2022 and the two-year plan. Like, I, I get that. I just want to say... They could, have, they could have had their cake and ate it, too, this year. Exactly. Look at who you're facing. Michigan State, 7-0, and but has flaws. This isn't a juggernaut uh, 2013 Michigan State team, in my opinion. Maybe they run the table and win the national title. And I, I'm not counting on it, though. I'm not predicting that. But Penn State sucks. Like, I'm sorry. I had no respect for Penn State. I think they're, I mean, they may beat us, but, I mean, I don't think there's some uh, great force. And, I mean, the, the loss against Illinois was humiliating, vulnerable. Ohio State, very, very good, very good team. Not as good as a lot of Ohio State teams we've seen, in my opinion. I think they are beatable. This was a good year to get into that game in Indianapolis if you're Michigan. Like, why fuck around? Why, why build it to two years? You can win every game on your schedule. I'm not saying I would predict you to beat Ohio State. I don't think you're going to get rolled this year, I, even yeah. with McNamara. This so like, why not go for it? This isn't Northwestern where you're going to go to the Indy one year and then suck the next year yeah. and go back. Like, right. Have the cake and eat it too, right? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I think from a Michigan perspective or Michigan fan perspective, I don't know if I can speak for everyone here, but if I'm stepping back and looking at if this is, again, part of the two-year thing, but even it, it you know more pertains to the immediate future too, is that if you were going to spend the first – you know, month and a half of the season, handing the ball off to Hassan Haskins and Blake Horn, which they should. Those guys are great. And the offensive line has played way better than I thought it would. Um, if that was the plan, the pieces were kind of in place to insulate a true freshman quarterback as you let him come along. And then, you know, run the ball like a service academy does the first month of the season. They weren't, I mean, they weren't going to lose. I mean, knowing what we do know now about Washington and Rutgers has been pretty bad since they started Owen or three and They could have got through even that Wisconsin game probably in no worse shape than they were through five or six weeks. That I think maybe the Northwest or the, the Nebraska one was one where you go, hey, listen. And this is where I will give when they talk about the things they like about McNamara, his poise, the leadership, the you know, you, you go chart a bunch of his drives and, and they end in most of them end in, in points or touchdowns of some sort. Like those are stats that they'll point to as why he should, you know, why he's kept the job. And he hasn't, let's make one thing clear too. Like he hasn't done anything to lose the job, but neither did Alex Smith. Neither did, I don't remember Kelly Bryant that much. Maybe that's. He was solid. He didn't do anything to blow it. I thought he was doing more than McNamara has been doing, but yeah, it's he, 
I just, I feel like to do things the way they have, I don't really think they would have been that much worse off than they are now. It, I, I look again, worse off. They're seven and L they might've right. been six and one. Well, look, I, I even six and one, seven and whatever. Mm-hmm. My entire argument all along was based on the back half of the schedule. Yeah. So them being seven and oh doesn't disprove anything I've said. I've yeah. I've thought all along they would. Uh, well, not all along. <laughs> since week two or three, just watching them, I'm like, okay, this team is probably going to be six and one, seven and zero. I mean, we've been talking. It's not hindsight. We've been talking about wow, Michigan and Michigan State could be seven and zero going into October 30th for like a month now. So yeah. this isn't total uh, hindsight. This is like week two or three foresight. I look. It all depends the last five games. I, yeah. I always thought since that early first two or three games that they could be in this spot. So them being seven and zero doesn't disprove anything no. I have said or what other people have said about you know this McNamara debate. But we'll see. I want to transition to the game generally, and then we can kind of put a bow. There's a game this week. There is. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty big. I heard like everybody's going to be there. I know you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. I think uh, ESPN's going to be there. I know uh, nobody's. Yeah, yeah. Game day, the the big noon show. But by the way, the big noon thing is a total joke. How much does ESPN regret that they snagged seven thirty the two lost Penn State in that slot? I well, think that's who, someone can correct me there too. Like, first of all, Michigan State has had two night games this year, right? Isn't it a three every 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 two years? You have to play three night games or something like that. I, I don't know. I I've never heard that. Also, it's, yeah, news to me. Um, I could be wrong. Again, people will tweet me. They do. Um, State has played three nights, one on the road at home. Right. So, okay. yeah, it's uh, also, I mean, Fox has the TV deal with the Big Ten. So I think they would get first pick in that scenario, too. Either way, the fact that it's at noon is a joke. Like I, I'm sorry, but I know you like it because you you were you were you were on the like Chris Solari train where you're you're uh, waving the, the pom poms because you're, you're the media guys love the noon kick. I'm sorry, it's regrettable. I think three thirty would have been enough. Three thirty four o'clock would have been a nice little. Oh, I, that's actually preferable for yeah. for my thing. It's not a disrespect thing. It's purely selfish because I'm tailgating. So it's like, <laughs> these these people that are like, why do you care, Michigan State, and they're. God damn disrespect narrative. I'm like, that has nothing to do with me. I, I, I not in this case anyway. For me, it's like I don't want to get up at 6 a.m. and be in line to tailgate, but yeah. that's a different debate. But for the game Saturday in general, I want you to talk on the Michigan side, obviously. That's why you're here. I'll say in a two bullet point fashion for Michigan State. Two concerns generally. Our secondary, shaky. I don't think you can exploit it, not to the extent that a lot of teams could. The other one, though, grave concern, the Michigan State offensive line. I don't know which of the 11 guys that play you want me to talk about. <laughs> it's like they, we're the only team I've ever seen that there's like a full line change. Is this, a, is this a uh, Matt Patricia guard rotation <laughs> it's, situation? It, it, times three. Like it's <laughs> it's like, oh, oh I, I, you look up at your screen. I'm like, oh, 72 is gone. Did he hurt? Is he hurt? It's like, oh, wait a minute. It's five new guys out there. It's like the whole <laughs> the line change. You know, it's like D2, the Mighty Ducks, change it up and five new guys come out. I've never seen anything like it. So I, you know, but. Either way, I'm not, it's not the worst offensive line I've ever seen, mm-hmm. but it's it's been shaky. Michigan gets after you. I mean, we, you know, I don't want to. I, I do not want to get into the Panasuke Hutchinson thing. Well, let's do it. 
I don't want that. to. <laughs> why would I want to do that? It's damning to my Michigan State case. <laughs> it's, it's, so why would I want to go there? I don't want to do the Mike Vladdy thing where I'm like, somehow, I don't know where he's getting these numbers. Uh, he's just making up stuff about Banasuk or he read the wrong Twitter feed. I don't know what where that came from, but... Hutchinson's better, I, and I love Panasuk. I think if I had to take one, so and I, you know the NFL evaluation, I think bears that out too. But Michigan two State, really good college pass rushers. Oh, I love period. them both. I love them both. But I, I would Hutchinson's better. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, like I don't. You talk about angry tweets. I'm going to get yelled at. But it's like <laughs> you got to keep some level of objectivity here. You got Spartans all over the place. Got to bring something. Did I uh, do that? Yeah, well, you do a lot of stuff, but I, you know, people are people. You, we get shit all the time, you and I. It's because I think we're honest. I think we're, you know, we we try to be, but that's the whole the, the secondary thing. I don't think for for one, I think we have a great safety in Henderson, Xavier Henderson. So I, that helps. But I, our corners shaky. But I don't think you're equipped to exploit it. The offensive line being shaky, you're uniquely equipped to exploit it. That's my concern. The Michigan side. Where do you feel Michigan is vulnerable? Where where should they have concerns like I do about our offensive line in particular? You know, it's really weird because outside of Peyton Thorne and Kenneth Walker, and the like, the wide receivers are, are really good too. Super athletic. We saw we saw what happened last year. We got Michigan got Rocky Lombardied. I feel like outside of those things, and that's a lot. I mean, I just named half your offense, but these two teams are literally like the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other, like incarnate because I'm concerned about Michigan's cornerbacks fence or defensive backs. I thought last year they got completely exploited and uh, played two of the worst. I mean, between Vincent Gray and Jim on green, probably the two worst games they've played period. Now to their credit, that was the only in a terrible season. That was really the only position group that got better as the year went on. Uh, and I think they've played pretty well. I think they've they've held up pretty well so far this year. Now, they haven't seen the wide receivers like they will against Michigan State. And and certainly, I mean, just look down the road, Jahan Dotson, Penn State, um, you know, Rakeem Jarrett, Maryland, literally everything Ohio State has. So cornerback would be a position of concern for me. I think I would also maybe go to the offensive line in that uh, I, I think Michigan's offensive line got off to a much quicker start than I expected them to this year. Uh, but what we've seen the last couple of weeks, I mean, they played, I just joked about the guard rotation and this wasn't a rotation. This is injuries and, and things like that. They played five guards at Nebraska. Um, I think they played three or four last week. Uh, Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinner have been pretty good, but they haven't been on the field in a couple of weeks. So, you know, I look at that. Um, Andrew Vistardis has held up really well at center, uh, but I think that pressure up the middle and how Michigan handles that is going to be a big thing. Like, it's so cliche to say, but you look at this game really does boil down to what happens up front on both sides of the ball for both of these teams. Um, you know, forget, I can't say forget Aiden Hutchinson, but assuming he's the type of guy that gets all that type of attention and you know, we can, we can split hairs about if he's being held a ton or not, that always happens, but it's not a big deal. They got a guy on the other side and David Ojabo, who's coming on and coming up like, I feel like I watch a game against Northwestern and every play is either being made by Hutchinson or Ojabo, who's super raw coming into the year uh, or really coming into Michigan. And over, as this year's gone on, I mean, he's, he's starting to creep up that, you know, I don't think the pro football focus is the be all end all, but you look at player grades and player rankings and he's been a guy that's ascending too. Um, so I, I, re- I really do look at, I think it's Michigan's cornerbacks. It's the interior offensive line play. And then again, can those wide receivers get open down the field? That's 
Because I do think, I mean, Henderson, again, it's another one of those things, Xavier Henderson, NFL guy. Daxton Hill, NFL guy. So again, both teams pointing at each other with what they can bring to the table uh, on both sides of the ball. I just, I feel like what's going to turn this game is, is who wins up front. And it's, it's cliche to say, but that's where I see this game. It starts and ends there for me. And then you work backward and see what happens. If Michigan's offensive line can give McNamara time to throw or give Michigan's wide receivers a little more time to get open downfield. Um, and also I do think at times Michigan has, when I talk about how Josh Gaddis gets into a rhythm, at times they've developed a nice little quick passing game. I think the first half against Rutgers, I think is probably the best that's looked this year. I'd like to see some of that come back because like I said, um, you get the ball out quick and, and Michigan state has a good defensive line and good pass rushers too. Like it offsets that. Um, the other thing I would say concern wise, Northwestern is hardly uh, Ohio state on the offensive side of the ball. And they screened the holy hell out of Michigan last week. And were able to pop off quite a few big plays. That's a concern for me. So for me, it's, it's, it's those things I mentioned and, and just discipline on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Josh Ross, I think has been a stabilizing presence for them at, at uh, inside linebacker, but has a tendency to overrun plays, has a tendency to get sucked up on on fakes and things like that. No, the, the fact, the idea that they could get Michigan State could get him to bite on play action is, again, that's that's a scary thing if you're a Michigan fan. So I think a lot of what the concerns and the strengths are for both of these teams are are similar. It's it really, I truly... I truly believe this is probably the most evenly matched Michigan-Michigan State game I've ever seen. I feel the exact same way. And I, the disrespect that both fan bases are throwing around and, like, you know, my friend Odell Bredham Jr., who everybody knows of the Michigan State king of propaganda, is, you know, he's hilarious. I got to get T-shirts of this guy made up, like, his quotes. You know, Michigan State's on their way to multiple national titles and stuff. So, And Michigan is just terrible. His is kind of like a shtick. Yeah. But even, you know, throw him out, like throw your three craziest people out on both sides. It's still like once those guys are gone, it's still kind of crazy. Like yeah. they're just shitting all over each other. I look at it like two pretty good teams. Like I, I look at it as two pretty good teams. I, you know, your Spider-Man meme thing is, is a good kind of way to put it. I Look, who knows? My feel, though, emotionally, this has a feel of like a playoff hockey game where both teams have a really good goalie, where the first goal just feels so important. Now, if the first score is a field goal, okay, whatever. Manageable. But someone's going to score a shit goal and change the game. I, it just, it just, but it just feels like the first touchdown. Like if the first score is a touchdown, mm. somebody goes up 7 nothing. Obviously, you always want that. But like in this game, it feels of outsized importance. Because if it's Michigan State, right out of the gate, Michigan's playing from behind. Now, it's one score. Yeah. But you're playing from behind. Technically on the road, I always don't put a whole lot of stock in Arbery, Slancy, whatever, but for that. But you, you're on the road. You've lost this game last year. Is it a here-we-go-again thing? You're not great at throwing. I mean, look, not game over, but it hurts. Michigan is so good playing with the lead. If they go up 7 nothing, okay, like Michigan State better answer quick because if, if they get a stop – and it's a short field, and Michigan's now at the four at their own forty, driving up seven nothing. Now you're starting to panic. I think if you're Michigan State, it just feels like we're going to know a lot in the first ten minutes, both on the score and you said it, what we're seeing up front. If one side is manhandling the other up front, like I'm, I'm going to be hitting DraftKings if I'm an objective person. I will never bet Michigan in this game. But if I were just watching this game, I want to just see the first ten minutes, even if it's still tied. 
what's happening up front and just go from there. But I, I think that's kind of a fair assessment. Oh, well, welcome back. Uh, sorry about that. I don't know what happened, but uh, I don't know. I was told that that's never happened before. I don't think it has. So I hope you're proud. This is like the 49th now episode now I or something. I feel really good about my pick. Yeah, <laughs> you feel great. <laughs> so that, we were going to finish. So just you said 22-17 is what you said earlier. I, I'm like you. I changed my prediction 12 times. The only one that really matters is what I say like right before the game. That's the one that like counts to me. Yeah. But like, I, is that kind of where you're at? A tight Michigan win? Whatever the score, maybe a, a tight Michigan win? I, I do. Uh, and maybe it's, maybe it's mis- I mean, maybe I'm compromised. Maybe it's misguided. But I just feel like with everything that's on the line and it's, I feel like I just, I feel like too much progress has been made and there has been a, a change of how they approach. Cause I think this, this program had a Monday through Thursday problem, Monday through Friday, however, whatever they practice. I think they had a practice problem that bled into Saturdays. I think those are, that's more productive during the week. This is a very petty football team. It's funny. It's, it's in a lot of ways, um, and like Michigan state and its players, its fans will always feel the way they do about that game. But I do feel like to a certain extent, the script has kind of been flipped and you like, you'll hear the canned answers all week out of Ann Arbor because they take cues from their head coach. But I, I really do feel like behind the scenes guys like Aiden Hutchinson and, and Josh Ross and Andrew Vistardis are probably pretty raw about what happened last and, and out to, to do it again. And, and like, this is no disrespect to, you know, Spartan stadium, what that environment will be like. I think that playing at noon fa- definitely is, that's definitely that definitely worked out in their favor too. Um, I can't say that's not entirely why I'm happy that that game is. At. It's also I'd like to maybe get back in the Detroit area while the sun is still out. It's late October. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But uh, I just feel like they're going to find a way. They're going to make it ugly. Like so a lot of those Michigan State, uh, the Antonio teams. It's like it was one of those things where it's like we're not locked here in here with you. You're locked in here with us, and we're going to make you play an ugly style of football. And we feel like we're better suited to do that. I feel like if these two teams get into a bar fight that I, I, with the way that Michigan goes too deep at running back and the way that the quarterback hasn't really made a ton of mistakes. And that's the key. I think if, if, if state can force Cade McNamara into some bad throws, mistakes, sacks, things that he hasn't really done all year, that might change the game a little bit, but I, I just I have a feeling that it's what they're doing is going to be enough on Saturday. So whatever it is, 22, 17, 24, 20, like whatever, like my, my pick won't matter until we do the picks column on Friday period. But I just got feeling you're in that range. There's, there's a lot of football things that like, I think Michigan state has the advantage at quarterback. I think they have it at wide receiver as good as Kenneth Walker is. I think that it's kind of with how good both of Michigan's backs are. I think that kind of cancels itself out. I just, I feel like, I feel like Michigan's past rushers, the Reapers, as they like to call themselves. I think that might be the difference on Saturday. I'm excited, nervous, anxious, happy, sad, everything. You know, it's like that the many faces of Justin Spiro, like the many, <laughs> the many faces of whomever. I, I'm like that chart. Before we move to the speed round, which is going to be still kind of on top. I do, I do have a stat for you. Weigh some shit on me. I want to just give you the floor to talk about whatever you want before we move on. Okay, so this, and again, this was Michigan State had played seven games. Michigan had played six at the time. I got this tweet sent to me on the Wolverine.com boards. Um, Number of explosive plays by yards this year, 60 plus yards, Michigan State. I should have given this to Ben to do a fancy graphic of, but that's that's bad. He's great. He could have done that. That's bad on yeah. my part. Just lack of preparedness. Uh, you know, board goes out. I didn't come prepared. Like, well, it cancels each other out. So, yeah, right. Um, so number of explosive plays by yards, uh, 60 plus yards. This is on the season. Michigan State seven, Michigan five. 
50 plus yards. Michigan 10, MSU 9. 40 plus yards. Michigan 12, MSU 12. 30 plus yards. Michigan 18, MSU 18. 20 plus yards. MSU 38, Michigan 31. I think technically speaking, I don't have it cut off here. This is, again, bad preparedness on my part. I think Michigan might slightly average a little more in that area, but at least based on a stat like that, it's it's pretty close to even. So again, hot take, whoever hits on more of those big plays, that's, that's the ball game Saturday. Yeah, but there haven't been any paintings commissioned for any of your big plays, have there? Because there's a painting on the way for the, well, it doesn't have a name yet. There's 37 names that have been nominated, so we're going to have a contest later. But for the, the you know, the DAP run with uh, Naylor and Kenneth Walker. <laughs> so there's a painting that's going to be on the wall here. So I don't think you guys have had any paintings commissioned over these plays, which I'm, is the real. Like, I'm on PFF a digital stat. media salary. I don't have, paintings aren't in the budget right now. Well, I, uh, so, look, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not getting paid I do, to do like anything. some kind of watercolor. This is what I'm numbers. doing in my free time. You make more money doing the shit than I do. I'll tell you what. I mean, no <laughs> one's Chris Castellani driving around in a, a Ferrari, but you know, with that bar stool money. But I mean, you know, we, we get what we get in this world, but I, until you have a painting on the wall commissioned for one of your plays, I, the PFF stuff uh, doesn't matter to me, man. But I'll print out some of those spreadsheets and put them on the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just print, print up the spreadsheet. Go to FedEx Kinko's and blow it up. I don't know. We'll see. You got anything else for me before we go to the speed round? Yeah, I do because you're oh, the no. biggest oh, no. uh, green and white Michigan fan I know. I got, I got this for you. Oh, look at that. Is this, is this like trying to get me some karma? What is this? What, what is this? Where, where did this come from? Is this like a misprint? Oh, uh, that's a gas station hat. But why? Why is this a thing? It's, is it uh, supposed to be like a St. Patrick's Day it's a, Wolverine it's a Michigan, hat? It's a Michigan hat. I feel, can I actually keep this? Because I'm going to put it on my bookshelf. Yeah. You, do you, really, you, want with it. you really got that for me? What a thoughtful it's, gift. Yeah. I don't want to, this, this can be our like retweet giveaway. I've never seen that. Did you just stumble across that? It's, I, I saw it and I had to have it. It's, you're the biggest green and white Michigan fan I know. Yeah, look at so. that. Is it, you think they were going for like a state of Michigan thing? Because it doesn't say Wolverines on it. I don't know. That's fascinating. Let me ask you this. If you wore that to the tailgate on Saturday, what sort of reaction would you get to that? I don't think most people would notice it. Like, I mean, the people at your tailgate that are hanging with you for like seven hours will. But like when you come by for 14 seconds, <laughs> when Chris Castellani hey, like hey, waves on his way to seeing seconds. people he likes more. Okay, 15. <laughs> you know, like, you know, people like you and Castellani who like only kind of like me and just were saying hi. I mean, you would recognize it because you gave it to me, but I think most people wouldn't even notice because I thought you were handing me a legitimate Michigan State shirt. I could do two hours on this hat. I have a lot of theories. It'll, it'll be uh, Colin Coward's hat for the rest of the show. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. That's fascinating. That's funny. You weren't kidding, bearing guests. Well, I want to get to the speed round. It is a Michigan, Michigan State speed round, so we'll keep it there. Ben, if any of our shit works back there, let's try to run the graphic. Hopefully it doesn't crash the system. <laughs> All right, Mr. Anthony, you are an avid viewer of the program. You know what's going on. You know what we're doing, the speed round. We had a speed round that lasted an hour with Mike Stone the other night. I am not exaggerating. That was like an hour and four-minute speed round. Try to go a little faster. I guess we will, but I always say it's the guest speed round. Go as long as you want. Talk as long as you want. We'll start here. The little brother label, just generally, what do you think of it? The little brother label for Michigan State. I think it was for the first couple of years kind of funny until Michigan started getting shit kicked in after Mike Hart left. Um, I, I, I think it's 
listen, I mean, Mike Hart went, I think Mike Hart went 4-0 against Michigan State. He'd say whatever the hell he wants to say. Yeah, but he said that on his way out. That was his senior year. Nah, it's a drop of the mic. So, um, Oh, good for him. Yeah, no, I generally, it doesn't. I think the thing that bothers me the most about it is like the little sister clap back. Cause I think that's probably worse and a little more cringy. It's in terms of, I mean, even in terms of things that I've gotten tweeted at me in the last like eight hours, like it doesn't register as that big of a deal. Yeah. No, fair. Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a big deal either. I just think it's like, it, it was a galvanizing thing for Michigan state. Even if you think that's silly, it was. And it's been nine and four since then. Like I would just kind of drop it. Like not because I think it's offensive, but it just has been ineffective. It's had sort of the reverse uh, desired effect, but whatever. It's still there. I feel like I don't see it a ton though anymore. Not as much, but it's still there. Yeah. I mean, do the Twitter search little brother, you know, MSU or whatever. You'll get I like a hundred in the last Try to keep hours. my Twitter searches to a minimum. Yeah. Well, yeah. They don't, <laughs> I don't have to search. It hits me in the face. So you, yeah. you and I, we got to start a support there's a, group. There's a the quality fit. Like, not to brag, I've got the blue check mark next to my name now. I get the quality filter next to my tweets. I don't see a lot of that stuff. Oh, so. good for you. Yeah, not everyone's <laughs> that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I Although Dave Portnoy doesn't have a verified account either, so I guess I'm in good company in that regard. We'll move on. Your favorite win over Michigan State, and this doesn't even really have to be football. I mean, it could be a lacrosse game. I don't give a shit. Your favorite win over Michigan State in your lifetime. Probably the worst game I've seen between the two teams. It was my first Michigan-Michigan State football uh, game. Two, 2011, was it the 12-10 field goal? Field that was goal 2012. That, that was our Andrew Maxwell team. Yep. Brendan Gibbons uh, kicked three of the four field goals and then was gone because he, well, we'll leave that one alone. I'm not touching that. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this will be a speed round if that's what we're getting here. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, that one is up there. Um, no, I was on. Uh, I'd been to the last, I mean, the only two Jim Harbaugh, uh, Michigan, Michigan state games in East Lansing up, uh, you know, up in the press box and was down on the field for the, the last couple of minutes of the 2018 game. So, I mean, that was pretty cool too, just to be that close to that trophy right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, those are up there. Those are, those are, those are cool moments for different reasons for me. Man, I mean, if I was opening up the whole basketball thing for you, I'm shocked. Trey Burke stripping Appling at center that's court. A, that's an oversight on my part. How does that not beat the 2012 game where the kicker who yeah. <laughs> I think was a jaywalking that he was accused of? I can't remember. I don't know. Hopefully you consent to me moving on. But how does the 2012 game trump <laughs> Trey Burke stripping Appling? That was one of the worst games I've ever been to. The worst finishes ever. It broke my heart. You know, this. Uh, what I'll say about that is that uh, – I messed up. That should be mine. It is mine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, a great, it's a great one. I've been, I've been covering Michigan stuff now for like seven and a half years and it's aged me probably 21 and a half years. So <laughs> the memory is now what it, what it used to be. Old so. man, old man. I, that was <laughs> such a, like you got the ball. If, if you're in the Michigan state perspective, I was at the game. It was miserable. Like, okay. I'll throw one more in there. The, uh, the Mo, uh, Mo Wagner at Michigan State. Yeah, he. I hated him, but but <laughs> like must in a good love way. the Orlando Magic though. in a good way. I I don't like them either. But no, it's, you know, it's like I actually liked Iggy Brzdakis or whatever the fuck. I like the guys that are like taunting and shit. But Iggy was harmless because we never lost to him. <laughs> he was, you know, it, it, through no fault of his own, he actually played his ass off in those games. He didn't yeah. have a lot of help in two of the three losses that year. But the the, the Trey Burke one. I mean, it's like Ampley's got the ball. The game's tied. You're gonna get the last shot. Worst case, you go to overtime, and it's like it's suddenly just over. That sucked. Anyway, we're gonna make you. Can't think of a time 
on the field between either of those teams where that's happened going the other way. No, yeah, I can't think of anything either. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll walk in my round. hallway Let's and go. see a see a painting on the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll move on. But you have to say something nice now about Michigan State. Your favorite Spartan. I always say the aforementioned Trey Burke is like sort of my begrudging. Like I just, as much as he broke my heart <laughs> on multiple occasions, I had so much respect for him. Like, what's the Michigan State equivalent? Your favorite Spartan? I Any mean, sport? We'll we'll stay with basketball. I mean, it's it's Cassius Winston. I mean, I think by far. From my perspective, probably the most likable, forget Spartan, like one of the most likable basketball players in the state of Michigan over the last, you know, whatever it is, a couple decades that I've been on this planet. Um, Cassius Winston, I mean, it's, I've just, it sucks that his senior season ended the way it did. I would have loved to, I mean, don't tell, don't tell people in my circle. Would have been pretty cool to see him go out the NCAA tournament on a high note. Like that guy a ton. Yeah, he deserved it. That was a tough one to watch, and uh, such a likable guy. You said it. Just, just, and a favorite of Michigan State Spartan fans for sure. So we'll get more into your wheelhouse here, and your fan base will like this. Your least favorite Spartan, not the prejudice of jury. I threw Draymond in there. He rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Your least favorite Spartan, who just drove you nuts. That's a tough one. I know it's a long list. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. The one that popped into my head right off the bat was um, apparently it didn't because it's gone already. Um, <laughs> might be a guy on the current team. Man, uh, I could rattle off a hundred if this were me. No, it's I'm never. Yeah. You're you're just too nice of a guy. You're no, right. they, hate you know, heart. there's been some uh, there've been some dust ups with them and, and Jacob Panashuk uh, okay. in the past. Um, I don't think basketball wise. I mean, man, the, those like. <sighs> Antonio teams, you would think there'd be 20 of them that you would hate. Well, we've also, I've also did the men in black neuralizer to all of that whole era of Michigan, <laughs> yeah. fo- I, Michigan football. It goes from 2007 to like 2015. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I love college fans in general are so selective with their timelines. It's like, oh, we're nine and four, you know, the last 13. <laughs> Michigan's like, well, we're 25 and 17 in the last 42. And it's like, you just got to pick, you could play that all day, really. Yeah. But anyway, all right, well, Panasuk, I guess. We'll, we'll go with him. I'm too nice. Yeah, too you're, you don't have the hatred in your heart that I do. <laughs> All right, so this is where I stand. Um, you know, clearly, I'm a Crunchies guy. I'm curious for your opinion. East Lansing's finest institution. You know, believe it or not, like, Crunchies would be the pick because that's honestly one of the only places I've been there. That's um, a good spot. I, being a Central Michigan alum, I made the hour drive down a few times, but never, you know, we were kids. We were poor kids that were hanging out at houses and tailgates and things like that. So uh, I'll turn it around on you. Where should I go? I mean, to me, it is crunchies. I really like the peanut barrel, too. And if Tony Paul's watching as he watches most of our shows from the Detroit News, he'll be happy I said that. Look, I'm going to sound like I'm 172 years old, but I was up there two days ago with my kids. I don't recognize the fucking place. Half the half the places I frequented are gone. It's all a bunch of high rises and shit. So like I have friends that are coming in and they're like, hey, what spot should we hit? I'm like, I don't know. I gotta Google it just like I'm I'm you. Like <laughs> I, I'm a guy coming in from Maryland. I mean, Crunchy's, thank God, is still there. But you know, Tony and I were big flats grill guys. That's gone. It's like I don't even recognize the place. It is still the best place on earth. But Crunchy's, the one thing I'll say about Crunchy's, uh, and look, there's some people involved with Crunchy's that watch the show. I love you guys. 
They're a little slow with the service sometimes. It's all I'm going to say. I'll say it's worth it every time. But if you're like in a hurry, hey, man, like I got 35 minutes. I'm off work. Like you don't go to Crunchies. Like it's going to be a minute. But other than that, they're the best. Peanut Barrel's great. Just kind of old school college bar. You know, I don't want to get too much into this, but Ann Arbor kicks the shit out of East Lansing in terms of the culinary scene. Like, even if you guys had Zingerman sitting there on the corner and nothing else, and I had to go to Zingerman's seven days a week, I would take just Zingerman's over everything in East Lansing. Maze, Maze Blue Deli's better, by the way. You you have said that, and I've read that shit, too. I, <laughs> look, I've never been to Maze and Blue Deli, so I can't give a no offense. Juwan, to Juwan Howard would agree with me. I, I would have to try it, but, it, like, come on, Zingerman's. No, you know I mean, many? Zingerman's, it's an, it's an empire. What, oh, come say? on, man. They they fly in the bread to meetings in New York. That's in New York. Like It's good. Like, it's not a, you know, it's not a this or that. It's like this and that. They're both good. Either way, like, even taking those two delis out of the equation, like, Ann Arbor has, like, 17 better restaurants than, <laughs> than East Lansing. So you guys kick our ass in that regard. But well, yeah, whatever. You're, you're totally, I mean, it sucks with the college town. Like, part of the character of the college towns is, the small town kind of feel. I was in I was in Mount Pleasant last week. Michigan had a bye week, so went up there for CMU's homecoming. And I mean, once I get got downtown, I recognized the place. But there's chain restaurants up and down Mission Street, and it's like totally, totally different now. It's so. it's weird. I haven't been up there in years, but I will say O'Kelly's. That bar, still the best there is. That O'Kelly's could be like in Tuscaloosa or certainly Ann Arbor, East Lansing, and be like one of if not the best part there like central michigan has i mean wasn't it that was when i was there i don't know if they still have that sign it was like a sports illustrated top 10 sports bar in the whole country in like 2003 years it was right before i got there but they still had the the sign up like (laughs) si had him as a top 10 college bar in the whole country it holds up just don't go into wayside next door i've I've seen the place with the lights on it's just not (laughs) oh yeah i have some wayside stories that i will not be sharing on this program we'll move on (laughs) this is this is the last one of the speed round and then uh you know we'll, we'll get you the hell out of here for your sake the worst Michigan State fan bit, and I mean, look, not to give you a, a cheat sheet, but there's a, like a million of them. Uh, the see, disrespect, the little brother. You can name multiple, but like, what's kind of like, where do we just suck? Like, what's a recurring thing where we just blow? Well, here's the thing. Both, like, we're all psychopaths. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio yes. State, who are like, if you're a fanatical college sports follower, you're a psychopath, period. And I mean, that's a term of endearment. Like, I love that. The thing that I think probably bothers me the most about Michigan State fans is the, the oh, typical Wolverines always living in the past, living on what they've done before. But every fall on the same Saturday, I see that trouble with the snap. I see the shit with the stake in the field. I see all of this stuff about, you know, 2013 Rose Bowl and the, the stop and all this that's nostalgia. Like we all love nostalgia. Like everyone leans on nostalgia. That's why they're still making Star Wars movies and uh, you know bring you know it's Halloween bringing back horror franchises. They're making Scream Twelve, Halloween Sixteen. Like we like to lean on things that we have fond memories of. But it's like the or there's that, and then you know like there are people in in the michigan market that have been entrenched in and doing what they do in the media for far longer than i have and i think their work is much better and, and way more respectable than mine is but this like notion 
and you hear it on the radio. It's a big bit on the radio. And you see it on social media. It's the blue wall. There's this blue wall. You know, um, this, uh, this media you know, operation that hides information and doesn't report things the way they see him. And I'm sitting over here in the corner going, hey, guess what? J.J. McCarthy should be playing right now. See me? See me? That's not like an attention thing for me, but there's like this notion that, first of all, I mean, and, and Michigan State has it too. Central Michigan has it. Any sort of co- college media, college sports in general, is very territorial and very community-based. And there's, honestly, and I'll dare, I dare anyone to come in here and say otherwise on Michigan State beat, Michigan beat, Ohio State beat, whatever it is. I'd say about 75% of the people in there, and I'm not trying, this isn't me outing anyone. This isn't me taking shots at anyone. There is an inherent bias. There is. Um, but the fact that there's the, like the, the, the bit and the idea that there are, there's Michigan media that refuses to be critical of Jim Harbaugh and doesn't push him on anything or um, you know, fluffs the program and doesn't pay attention to these other schools. I just think that's, I think that's lazy. I think, especially with the media markets as saturated as, the, as saturated as they are now, whatever you're looking for, if you're looking for someone to be a prominent voice that's objective, if you're looking for someone to be a, a slappy, if you're looking for someone that's going to bash the program for no reason, pick a lane. There's someone there for that. I, I think that the idea that there is this Michigan presence that refuses to see things objectively and that... Um, you know, withhold stuff from the program. We don't need to get into this here, but it's never been reported why why Max Bull didn't play in the Rose Bowl. You know, there's stuff like that too. No, you, you know what I mean? So it's like... That's a good counter. And I, that was a big source of contention for me because you would have reporters. And at some point, we're going to have Chris Solari in here. And I consider Chris a friend. We're friendly. But you have reporters at the time Joe Rexroad was here. Rexroad, Solari, take your pick, all of them. And One, they would say they know what happened. The other thing I'll say, University of Michigan doesn't have like a media program or a journalism school. Now there's the Daily and that's sent out a tremendous amount of talent. But most of the broadcasters in this state went to Michigan State or Central Michigan. Yeah. Well, that's because of the institutions. You said it. The programs are phenomenal. I just, I, I find it interesting. First of all, we could do a three-hour show on the Schembeck or stuff. I do think there was a disparity in coverage there. Schembeck or deeply intertwined with mm. the football program. Larry Nasser, not tied to the football program whatsoever. Mm. And there seemed to be a more intensity of coverage and a, a crossing of this D'Antonio Nasser stream, which yeah. never made sense. There's no evidence for it. I think the way that that was treated uh, by, and at least is. on a national perspective, was I think there was some irresponsibility to that. Well, certainly, but even locally, yeah. I, I mean, I just had lunch with uh, Bob Wojnowski, who has taken – heat from his colleagues. You shouldn't drop had, names. Bruce Springsteen told me that. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, sorry. But I, I don't know. Is Wojo that big of a name to drop? <laughs> no, offense. no offense, Wojo. Uh, you're an institution and a legend. But look, he, but he shared frustration with it's like, I'm getting shit for Mike Volani and, you know, all this. And it's like I, his, I don't want to get too much into what our conversation was, but no, basic, basically his position, but he said this part publicly was, Look, if more stuff comes out about Bo, we'll get there. Like there was an actual indictments in the Michigan State stuff, which is all fair. Like yeah. that's fair. There's there was just more. The Michigan State stuff was farther along. There was more tangible stuff than mere accusations. And Michigan stuff, I, I'm not well versed in all the the Bo stuff, but yeah, I don't know. But I do, my sense was 
Michigan State was covered a little more intensely, but the and in an unfair way where football was conflated in basketball, which had nothing to do with anything. But yeah. generally all, speaking, all I can really say about that is if you go like I can only speak for myself, that was covered by me where I was before. So like that's not me saying, oh well, I'm the foremost authority. Like probably not. I'm probably I'm, just call it what it is. I'm probably not really going to do stuff like that anymore because that's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not in charge of where I'm at. Not, that's not to say no one, people are telling me what to do, but um, when it's there's not your editorial decision in the way it may have been when there's prior. something to, when there was something to be discussed and, and a voice that needed to, you know, I felt where I was at before that I had a responsibility as the outlet I was at. I felt like had a prominent enough voice where I felt that that, deserved that situation deserved the respect of being honest and transparent about it. And to be frank with you, covering it down the middle. And I think that there is an issue with that in general, in just college sports or, or territorial coverage of, you know, super local things and um, in general. So like I said, I'm not, it's not to take shots at peers. It's not to say anyone covered it the wrong way. Um, there is an editorial chain of command that goes into things like that. Like, um, you know, those, those people, people that have the ability to have a voice on that are the ones that should be looked at as opposed to just a blanket statement of, you know, well, the Michigan beat, they turn their back on this bow thing. Like, again, like I said, there's covered, like if you do enough digging, which people don't like to do, they just like to throw darts at each other. Like you do enough digging, like, and like I said, that's, I think. I just, there, there's, there's a lane for that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't uh, look, I don't have a blue check mark and a Ferrari like you and Chris Castellano, <laughs> but what I do have is I have total freedom. I don't have a boss. I get yeah. to whatever, whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I don't get paid. I'd probably change places with either of you. But like the one thing I'll say is I like that. I can say whatever I want. I do understand like, look, you can't go rogue and just be like, call for the firing of Jim Harbaugh for yeah. cover-ups of something we have no evidence that he covered up or knowledge of or whatever. Yeah. So I, I get it. I get it. So we'll finish there. Any last words for Saturday? I feel nervous, but like cautiously optimistic. I think it's a good game. Do you want to, do you want to get anything else out before we wrap? I, I think the way you feel about this game is exactly how Michigan people feel. Michigan fans. Like it's, it's a cautious it's a cautious optimism because I think I, you know, I can't speak for you or, or the Michigan state fan base, but there's probably part of you going, have we really played anyone yet either? Yeah. Like, I, everyone's you really, other than Odell Bredham, <laughs> other than him, everyone on both sides seems relative yeah. to the rivalry. Quiet relative. That's can I, the can key I, term. Can I just say something about in general, about the rivalry discourse yeah, and arguments let's go. throughout the week? Um, like let's have fun with it. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a kid's I game. I agree. Um, you know, if you want to tweet a meme and with emojis or whatever and, and stir the pot a little bit, fine. But like, to me, if you, you're jumping in someone's mentions and saying that they're fat or short or they look <laughs> stupid or yeah, whatever yeah. it is, like, first come of all, it's on. not funny. Yeah, like, it's not on. funny. Like, like, get it together. Um, and I don't know who did that, but, uh, no, I'm just like it, speaking <laughs> in general, like yeah. it's. Um, it's, don't go deeply personal. I there's, there's, a, there's a contingent of your fan base that I know for a fact, uh, f- like went as far as to like phone people at their places of employment. Of the Michigan State fan base? Yeah. Do they have breakfast food items in their uh, profiles? I cannot <laughs> confirm nor deny. I, it just seems because they haven't done that to me, but I've had 
people in that sect and others. Again, this is the Michigan State fan base. Yeah. Look where you are. Like, this is, this is. Oh, I'm not. Yeah. These are sovereign waters. Yeah. This, me, is, so. <laughs> this is friendly. This is friendly fire. Yeah. Like, I've had them go after a, a family, like kids being brought up and shit. It's like, people are savages. I agree. I keep it at white. I, I can't remember. It was yesterday or the day before. Tweeted something. It was kind of a jab at Michigan about. Can't remember if it was something about them not going to Indianapolis or something. Yeah, like you just, quoted one of my tweets and said that. Well, but there was that. I can't <laughs> remember if this was the one it was in response to because I right. I put out two or three little jabs. It's rivalry week, like getting mm-hmm. ready, and someone commented like, "I didn't know since when did you become the troll type?" It's like, have you checked your calendar? Like for a week, I'm gonna. I don't even consider trolling. Like I'm gonna engage in the discourse. Like, but yeah, I'm not. These people like twelve months out of the year that are on this Michigan, Michigan State hamster wheel. I just can't do it. But I'm excited. I'm hoping you'll make a cameo appearance at the tailgate. Uh, I'll be in the stadium lot for anyone out there watching. You are welcome. I'm not saying I have uh, enough beer for all of you, but you're welcome to come and say hi. And if there is enough beer in my truck, uh, by all means, I'm excited. Nervous, happy. We talked about it. I'm the poster, man. I'm the poster. We. I will say I got to tease really quick. Thursday, a couple days from now, we have the Michigan State slant of the show. And we have Andy Isaac, World of Isaac in studio. And we have two guests. And I'm not going to tell you who they are because you have to wait and find out. But it's not going to be all Michigan State. There's going to be a Michigan presence among those two surprise guests. And I'm not going to tell you who. You just have to watch. So a couple nights from now, we're going to do some fun giveaways with that. We have to do our, our Name the Painting contest with that Crunchies gift card. Stick with us on that. I'm excited, Anthony, man. It was great to have you. I hope to see you Saturday, man. Seriously, you're welcome to stop by. I, If I can get the last time there was a Michigan-Michigan State game, uh, my alarm didn't go off. and I didn't even leave my house till like 10 o'clock. I live, I live an hour and a half away. Yeah, that so can't happen this time. Not for this one. It can't. It, it won't happen. Uh, I will. I've already... Working on setting the alarm early. You know, us digital media people just kind of roll out of the bed, sweatpants, the whole deal. Yeah. Get the day start. No. You're lucky um, you. I would, I would love to, uh, you know, I just like, this is, so, to me, this is such a fun rivalry because it could be, you know, Ohio State, like those people are, you know, like what's the, what's the line from Happy Gilmore? Go back to your shanties. <laughs> yeah. Like a little Michigan, more Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State. It's your neighbor next door it's your people in your family it could be people in your own house it's to me it's supposed to be fun and i think the fact that we have like that we can have like an iron bowl type of rivalry game up here is like as an objective watcher of football i think is super exciting i'll say for this it's way better for business if michigan wins on saturday for me personally um but you know we can sell we can sell rage clicks too if we have to but um, no yeah. it's it's fun I, i'm you're you've been very kind in having me back and and the things that you've said and um yeah i i I love doing stuff like this so anytime you're welcome back anytime i look maybe we can even do like a post-mortem only if michigan state wins if if michigan wins you're not going to see me for a couple weeks i'm going to be (laughs) morning off somewhere thank you to ben augusta the great and powerful oz on the other side of the wall he is doing a bang-up job even though he kicked a wire loose or something or Anthony snuck something and we're still great at the run some diagnostics on that. <laughs> Eric Williamson, who, I mean, man, it's 11 o'clock. He's definitely on his couch and his boxers watching the show by now. Uh, so shout out to Eric, man. We love you. And uh, Spartan nation, uh, sit tight. Big one coming in a couple of days. Wolverine nation. Uh, hope you have a terrible five days and then you can have a good rest of your season. I don't care what you do going forward, but hopefully you lose Saturday, but thank you for watching. Thank you to Anthony broom, Wolverine mag, 
you're the man. I got to say, the Michigan circle, man, you're, you're my number one. I say that very publicly and with great vehemence. Justin Spiro, Spiro Avenue. We'll see you Thursday with a big one, a big surprise. We'll see you next time.